Welcome to episode 68 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. As Christmas approaches, Ryan and I are gearing up for it the way we always do, watching a beloved holiday classic. This year's pick, Love Actually, isn't necessarily so dearly beloved by me or Ryan, but it certainly has had a strong following since its release in 2003 with a huge cast of big, mostly British names and a wide variety of stories to tell. There's a lot to take in with Love Actually. Worldwide, Love Actually was a pretty big hit, grossing almost $250 million, including nearly $60 million in the States. As time went on, Love Actually made its way into the Christmas movie rotation on cable channels, and more and more people seemed to return to it as the Christmas season rolls around. While it isn't as influential or perhaps as quotable as some of the major Christmas classics, the star-studded romantic comedy seems to have at least proven its own point. Americans love British accents. But does a British accent make us actually love love actually? Or is love actually actually not all that lovable? Keep listening. Whenever I get gloomy with the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. General opinion starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed. But I don't see that. Seems to me that love is everywhere. Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around. All right, so that was uh, the Prime Minister, as played by Hugh Grant, just kind of musing a bit on on love and saying it's pretty much everywhere yeah. when you look for it. And uh, in this movie, it's certainly, or at least something akin to love is all over this movie. It's in the title. It is. It's It's half of the title, actually. That's true. You just so, said the other half. That's uh, just how much actually is all around us. Uh, yes. The, that, now that's uh, that could have been in the in the speech as well. Yeah. Actually, is all around us when you look for it. Uh, honestly, though, I think that actually has become way more prominent than in love? the fifteen years. Oh, since the movie. I don't think at the time that the movie came out, people were saying actually as much as they are saying actually now. Because of the movie, you think? Did it have that kind of influence on it the pop culture? Be. But anyways, we've got our, uh, our our traditional eggnog here, yep. which we've had. I don't know if we've done it every year, but at least for the last few years we've done for these uh, December uh, Christmas time mm-hmm. episodes that we do. Yeah. So uh, that's what this episode is. It's our Christmas episode. You, you got your eggnog fountain out? which It gets clogged a lot. Yeah, it doesn't look like you cleaned it yeah. from last well, year. Well, it's eggnog, so it kind of just soups up. You it's know, tough the, to clean. It is tough to clean it. I would at least try. It, it more of just kind of sludges out. It doesn't quite do a nice cascade. fountain. Yeah, it doesn't cascade as well. No, it doesn't get much get much air. No. It just kind of burbles over I need, the side. I need a more powerful motor in it, I think, to do an eggnog I wouldn't fountain. want that splattering. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's working fine. It looks... It, it's, it looks nice. It works for I what I need it for, which is our one episode a year. You that can't see the Christmas lights that you put in the bottom? The, the, of the, the fountain? Light, yeah, the light isn't... No, it doesn't shine through, through the through. log. It's too it thick. It would have been a good yeah. effect, but... Right. But, you know, it's kind of a swampy sort of fountain. Yeah. It's a nog swamp. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a nice touch. We are definitely in the Christmas spirit. Yeah. You got your, your nothing more up. to it, really. Yeah. And we're here to talk about love, actually. Uh a movie that it's not all that Christmassy for being such an overtly Christmas movie. Christmas is really just the setting. Yeah. Um, Which there are other movies like that. Right. You know, that aren't necessarily Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. But this one does seem to have over time been lumped in amongst people. Well, movies that they watch around Christmas time. I think emotionally it's more in line with the Christmas movie. You know, it's very familial a lot of togetherness a lot of love sure actually is in this movie it's all around it it is yes i would say love actually is quite in the spirit of christmas even though 
the particulars of Christmas don't necessarily, you know, no one's trying to save Christmas or right. anything like that. Yeah. Um, but it's got the very Christmassy vibe. And it's also a movie that, as you said in our last episode, is celebrating its 15th anniversary. Yeah. And so, you know. It's uh, <laughs> Right. It's dressed up real nice. For yeah. Them. And, uh, the thing is, for us, we should probably get into first viewings or, you know, what well, this I means Well, I actually think uh, what we need to do first is acknowledge that the, yes, the, you're right. The, the public was clamoring for what we hinted and they really at. were. They, they were. really were. I think we got more positive feedback on the fact that we talked about having our wives record this episode than we have about anything we've done, which <laughs> probably should el- elicit some soul searching. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Right. Um, which is really, I mean, we weren't surprised by that necessarily. Well, it's it was it's it was actually a pretty tough thing. Like they wanted to do it, and we wanted them to do it, but they didn't really want to do it but they did i don't mm-hmm. know and yeah. so but also just logistically we have families and five kids month and old and yes that would have been tough so unfortunately it wasn't able to work out and we're trying to think of if we can get it to work for next year and we yeah. think maybe we can we might have come up with an idea stay tuned for the next 11 months next year yeah um my wife is watching the movie now as we record this. My wife is currently watching it and she's been texting me some things, yeah. some thoughts. And so, well, and I think what's kind of interesting about this movie that I'm not sure if we've really had movies like this before, you know, my previous experience, and I'm, it sounds like yours as well, they're kind of inseparable from our wives. Uh, I mean, after Maybe a not. while, not my oh, first okay. viewing, but oh, yeah. okay. All right. Yeah. But I think part of why it would have been better to have them do this than us, uh, on top of the fact that they would have good things to share, is um, one of the things that my wife texted me, which was, this is a romantic comedy. Don't watch it as anything else. Yeah. And we probably will have a hard time watching it as something. As or We'll probably have a hard time not talking about it uh, beyond the bounds of its genre. Um, yeah, I, I, guess I, I totally understand why Kelsey would feel the need to just make that especially clear to us, Mm -hmm. to us specifically. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I very much understand that. Um, But I also think that, you know, we can do that. We can think of this as a romantic comedy. We did Mm -hmm. the same thing with when we talked about Moonstruck Mm -hmm. and we, you know, we, we understand the way genres are supposed to work and Mm -hmm. what people go to those genres for and Mm -hmm. what's to be expected of those genres. Um, So I think that's very good point. We will try to keep it within the confines of the genre and well, let me put let me put it this way. One thing that I think that gets missed often in criticism when I read film criticism, it's always like, "This is what I think of the movie, mm-hmm. and this is my reasoning for that, and what this movie is maybe saying or not saying or whatever." Mm-hmm. What I wish I would read more in criticism, especially when it's a negative review, and I'm not necessarily saying we're going to go there. Right. I'm just saying it seems like Kelsey is maybe worried that we're going to go there. Yeah, that we're going to go extremely negative on a movie that a lot of people hold dear. Uh-huh. But my feeling is I wish I would see more in criticism and what would maybe be interesting for us to talk about, no matter where we come at from this movie, is, okay, maybe you didn't like it, but what is it about this movie that does draw people to it? Mm-hmm. And I never seem like, you know, it's like a lot of critics love to leave negative reviews without ever acknowledging what people who love getting it are getting out, out of it, it mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's more like, I didn't get that out of it. People who do get something out of it are dumb. That's not what we're about. No. We don't do that. No. I don't think. We try not to. We try not to. Maybe we do. (laughs) It might come off that way. Yeah. Obviously, this is a movie that has only gained appreciation from a certain base of people who watch holiday movies Mm -hmm. over time. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is it that they're getting out of this? Mm -hmm. What are they loving about it? Yeah. Sure. Well, then uh, let's let's take it back to the beginning. Okay. Set the scene. Young, bright-eyed Nate. Fresh out of- uh, College class. So what is this, 2003? Right. Right. So I was in college. Yep. Um, I didn't see this in the theater. I did see it on video, so I'm guessing it was probably more like 2004. Mm, okay. I've only seen this movie once, and I... Wow, really? Before here, yes. Oh, wow. And I barely remember it. And the reason I barely remember it is because... Start. <laughs> my wife had seen it. Uh-huh. She really liked it. She liked it enough to buy it on DVD. Uh-huh. And we were spending time together um, at her parents' place, and we, it's one of those where we just wanted to put a movie on. Mm-hmm. And that's what she had. I think it was around Christmas time. So I think she even kind of pitched it that way to me. And the cast looked good. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, let's give it a shot. And 
I think I was sort of at the time, you know, I was fine with it mm -hmm. and I never watched it again. And then she lent her DVD to a friend who never gave it back. Oh no. So we had, so you she was, replaced it. no, she never replaced it. I wasn't going to replace it. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's not going to listen to this. So, so it's still a good Christmas Guaranteed. gift idea. <laughs> uh, okay. That's all I got. So you didn't, not, you didn't letterbox rate it. I did letterbox rate it. I letterboxed rated it as a three star. Okay. So three out of five. Um, meaning, you know, it was fine. I saw it. I saw <laughs> I don't it. Don't remember. I don't it remember well enough to it. say yeah. if it was good or bad. <laughs> um, yeah, I I rated it at three stars. I've seen it several times. I really don't remember the first time I saw it, but I do believe I saw it alone. I think it was just one of those things that like. People have been like, that's that's actually a pretty good movie. Or no, it's really funny. And so I watched it and I think I was like, Oh yeah, okay. That's that's pleasantly yeah. And then since then, Kelsey really likes it. So I think she typically watches it every year and it's uh one that we'll we watch together, although not for this episode. She was out last night while I watched it. Um You had just said in the last episode how you were looking we were, forward because to we were watching watch this a movie together. together. But yeah. uh last minute thing she went out to a like a choir concert with her family. So we didn't get to watch it together, unfortunately. Um, but we have watched it together, I feel like, a few times. Yeah. I don't dislike watching it. There were things about it that were different enough from other Christmas movies, and I felt uh, different enough about romantic comedies that it was like kind of a cut above, sort of. Um, okay. But I did rate it at three stars on Letterboxd. I don't know what that means. Okay. Um, so is this sort of you're already kind of oozing into your your current viewing a little bit? In I guess your, so. In the way you're talking, or is yeah, it, it's is, kind of is one there of something those new? That, or that, the only diff thing that was different about watching it this time was that I was taking notes and being maybe a little bit more. Uh, I, I don't want to say the word critical, but I guess being a little bit more critical, I was yeah. watching it with a with a different sort of eye. Well, you got to um, figure out what are we going to talk about. Yeah. So this time there were definitely things that stuck out to me as flaws in the movie. Um, but then there were also things that I kind of appreciated maybe a little bit more. Hmm. Did you rewatch it with Andrea? I Yes, I did, but she wasn't paying that much attention. She's a teacher, so she's often working on stuff while we're watching movies and things like that. Yeah. And so, you know, she was next to me. She watched. She was in and out. Hmm. She also wasn't. We weren't quite sure if there was still the possibility she might talk on the podcast. So yeah. she actually did watch it a little bit more with me than she normally watches the movies we do. Hmm. For the podcast, but even still, it was a little in and out. So I can kind of, I'm not going to put words into her mouth, but I have a sense of what she was thinking and feeling as she was watching it. Okay. Um, but for me, I don't know how I feel about this movie. I'm going to keep it at a three. I'm, I'm curious to hear some of the things that you liked about the movie. I feel like I'm, I'm in, the, in the sort of Christmas spirit. To me, it's kind of a generous three. Like okay. the movie doesn't necessarily bother me and i don't have like a, a strong reaction negatively about it but there are some things that do bug me and also i just i never felt that invested in the movie while i was watching it mm -hmm. i guess um and i got a few thoughts as to why that could be yeah maybe there were a few scenes that i thought were kind of sweet and that was about the most i could say for it i'm gonna try not to you know really kind of go extra critical on it yeah. where i don't need to be but i do think there are some things that i, well, I don't think about you, the movie that yeah. that I think are, are legitimate criticisms. And I just, just to, if we need to, I'm not going to bring out the uh, ammunition, but just in case it happens where I get accused of being a Grinch or a Scrooge, as far as romantic comedies are concerned, like maybe Nate just doesn't like romantic comedies. Right. I've got a whole list I made today just because I was wondering, do I just what not like romantic? Yeah. And, and I have the list. So okay. if we need to go through and I can compare movies that really do work for me where I'm like, Oh, yeah. like I love that, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I even watched a new one that I'd never seen before this week that could be considered a holiday movie or Christmas movie called The Shop Around the Corner. Oh, yeah. With, uh, Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Sullivan. Uh, it's a Ernst Lubitsch movie from 1940. I love that movie. Which like was remade as uh, uh, You've Got Mail. You've Got Mail, yes. Basic, yeah. So if you've seen You've Got Mail, this is kind of the original. And I loved it. Love that movie. Five out of five stars for me. That's great. I'm not a total. Yeah. Naysayer when right. it comes to romantic comedies. Right, right. And they also don't have to come from the 1940s. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I've got contemporary ones too as well. <laughs> well, that's good. But yeah, um, let's go back to Love Actually. Okay. I guess we usually start by talking about what does work. Okay. Movies, right? Sure. Yeah, we do You that. seem apprehensive to do that. 
Uh, well, I want to hear it from you okay. first, because I can um, say whether I agree or not, I guess. I think, in general, the movie's strength is the performances. And that is bound to happen when you're looking at Laura Linney, Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman, Colin Firth, Martin Freeman. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant is great. Uh, I actually do really like him as the Prime Minister. Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, that list is just, they are, they're going to do good work. Um, and the movie does a lot of relying on certain things. Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. One thing that it relies on heavily is the score. And I don't think that works all that well. It also relies heavily on the actors. And I think that does work as well as it can. Mm -hmm. Martin Freeman, even though his character and his situation, I have a lot of problems with. I think Martin Freeman just has a comic sensibility that he's going to be funny to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Hugh Grant is Hugh Grant and he's, he's great. Yeah, and I'll tell you the one that I was like, I can't believe he's actually pulling this off as an, a legitimately funny scene is just when he's caroling to the kids. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah when, like, when, his, when his bodyguard starts singing. And I, that's he, a great he just, scene. Like, makes a face like, oh. <laughs> Hello, uh, does Natalie live here? No, she doesn't. Oh dear, okay. Are you singing carols? Uh, no, no, I'm not. Please, sir, please, please. Well, I mean, I suppose I could. Please. Alright. Good King Winceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen when, when the, the snow, snow lay round about. I laughed out loud yes. when you did yes. that. You that know, was a real Hugh Grant, uh, understated yes. but very funny. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I will mm-hmm. grant. Uh, that <laughs> really that is in the performance. I think Bill Nye is really he's great he's good. in this movie. Yeah, I kind of get the sense that he is doing to the movie what his character is doing to the song. Just like, <laughs> like he knows what it is, it he knows what yeah. it is. But like, I'm here to just be sort of disruptive. So if you believe in Father Christmas, children, like your uncle Billy does, buy my festering turd of a record. And particularly enjoy the incredible crassness of the moment when we try to squeeze an extra syllable into the fourth line. <laughs> I think you're referring to, uh, if you really love Christmas, come on and let it snow. Ouch. So This uh, is not the comparison I want to make, but like Johnny Depp in the first Pirates of the Caribbean, very physical performance, embodies that character in a way. Yeah, like knowingly feels, over the top sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah but is so committed to it and so good at it that it's working. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that he provides a pretty stark contrast to the other people in the scenes he's with. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of pulls him as a character out of the movie, but at the same time it works for that character to be so far apart because he's right. almost a meta character anyway and like a fourth right. wall breaking he, sort of yeah you're character. right because so, he does almost have this feeling of where he's almost floating over the movie like over the mm-hmm. top of it and honestly his kind of turn at the end when he comes back to his i guess manager's mm-hmm. um flat flat yeah it's a good scene so um what was this epiphany um it, it was about christmas you realized it was all around no, I, I realize that Christmas is, is the time to be with the people you love. Right. And I realize that as dire chance and, and, and fateful cock-up would have it, here I am, mid-fifties. And without knowing it, I've gone and spent most of my adult life with a, with a chubby employee. <laughs> And, and much as it grieves me to say it, it, it might be that the people I love is, in fact, you. His performance as being sort of outside of the rest of the movie also makes sense in the sense that this is really a different type of love that's right. being portrayed. Yeah, Every other one has its own angle to it, mm-hmm. but it's still for the most part, revolving yeah. around some kind of romantic, romantic relation, yeah. relationship. And this is one of the only one that's re- ones that's really focusing on a platonic yeah. relationship. And especially somebody who's had so many empty experiences. And you just sort of see all along that part of why he was phoning it in is that he knew that getting to the top of that chart wasn't going to 
bring the fulfillment or the comeback that he was hoping for. Yeah. I think there are a couple storylines that in general I, I'm I'm there with. And one of those is Liam Neeson and his stepson. Maybe not the full storyline, like the kid's whole like plan with the girl, but the, his relationship with the stepson. I believe his emotions when he's talking to Emma Thompson about like the stepdad role. Yeah, like what's he supposed to do? And and then I just really am moved by his willingness to like put aside his own pain to see his stepson mm-hmm. through the pain, you know? It's kind of subtle moments where he's just sort of like sitting there in the room and then when the kid comes in, he comes alive again. And I found that really touching and I also think it's pretty entertaining, those scenes. So, let's go. We can definitely crack this. Remember, I was a kid once too. So, come on. It's someone at school. Right? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh, good, good. And what does she... He feel about you? She doesn't even know my name. And even if she did, she'd despise me. She's the coolest girl in school. And everyone worships her because she's heaven. Good. Good. Well, basically you're fucked, aren't you? (laughs) This is actually funny. Kelsey said that she... She said, like, the Colin Firth's character and everything that she she didn't really like i actually end up there's a lot of stuff i don't like about that relationship but i i i really like that story like whenever they came back to it mm-hmm. i always was like i'm I i'm actually kind of with you where i feel like that one they should have just pulled that out and made that into a full-length feature at least i think that sounds like the the makings of a good romantic comedy mm-hmm. you know in fact there might even be one out there, there probably <laughs> that's is. the same storyline but I mean, throughout it, like there were times where when they were like, when what he was saying in English and she was saying in Portuguese and they were like saying the exact opposite things, it like got a little tedious. But then when they bring it back around, like through to their goodbye, mm-hmm. I'm like, it was really sweet. And I, I was pretty moved by like how he talks about how like um, driving her home was the best part of his day. And then she said, the worst part of my day was leaving you. Yeah. I mean, there, uh, there are, there are a lot of, I would say, clever rom-com moments in this movie a lot of them it's almost like they're just packed full i mean it makes sense i mean this is they threw them all in there that's what i'm saying it's just it's it's and and this is really i think it's just too much Mm -hmm. like i just think it's too much the movie's too long it's too many storylines i can't even it's not like i was having a hard time keeping track of them but i was having a hard time like getting jerked around in a way where it was like, okay, I'm invested in this here. And then we're going to move over to here, get just as invested in this one. Okay. Now we're moving back over to here. It it is. It's just like, you just threw this big stew of romance in there. And it's like, you could have made a pretty good romantic comedy out of any one of these storylines. And, you know, I get that. That's kind of the point, right? It's more of a topical movie. This is just a movie about love and different ways that it works. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess, Maybe it's just in the execution of it then where I just feel like, first of all, some of these stories, I have a hard time figuring out what you're saying about love. Yeah. And it doesn't come off to me as very loving. And let's get into some of those, the ones that maybe you didn't mention. And even the ones you did mention. You know, it's funny that the ones that really resonated with you, with the exception of the Colin Firth ones, were the ones that really weren't romantic love. The Liam Neeson step you know, the sure. stepfather relationship, the Bill Nye, uh, you know, uh, platonic relationship with his manager. I agree with you. Those are the ones that kind of resonated most with me. Um, and the romantic ones, the more romantic ones, I had some real problems with. But it makes sense that this would just be throwing all the ideas into the pot because, I mean, this is this is Richard Curtis who, um, this is actually his first time directing, but he had written good romantic comedies. I don't know if you ever saw Four Weddings and a Funeral. I didn't. It's a good movie. And it's a good romantic comedy. Uh, I never saw Notting Hill, but people love that movie too. He knows how to write a romantic comedy. And it's almost like he was just like, I'm going to take all those tricks. Yeah. Like all of them in every single movie ever. Yeah. And throw them into one thing and see how it works. And I'm like, there's a reason why that to me probably doesn't work that well. Because so much of romantic comedies is getting to know how the relationship evolves and forms and how they go from maybe... For you. Sure. Yeah. 
Because for some people, it's just the feeling. It's just the moment, and, I guess. And so, but to me, I need a ramp up to the moment. Right. Otherwise, the moment doesn't pay off. I and I, I agree with you. And I'm with you in that. And I'm, I'm, I felt exactly the same way that I was jerked around, not just by like switching stories, but even within a scene, I can't tell what they're trying to get me yeah. to feel. And it's just my like, if I'm going to be my most critical of it, it's it's that. The movie doesn't know what it wants you to feel either. It just wants you to feel something and whatever you grasp on, good. Go with that. Yeah. You want to feel the sadness of some of these scenes? Yeah, there's some really like sad stuff here. You want to feel the happiness? You want to feel the silliness? You want to feel the love? You want to feel any of this? Just whatever. And so I'm, I feel like for people who like this movie, they just don't, they don't have a problem with that. They're able yeah. to say like, yeah, that's fine. I just didn't. I, but I like the parts that made me happy. I didn't really care about the other parts. Sure. And I also think that's what makes this such a perfect TV movie. What makes this such a perfect Christmas time movie. Sure. A yeah. movie where you're in and out of the room, a movie where you're in and out of the movie because anytime you, you sit get, down, yeah. you can catch on to something. Yeah. You're right. And actually, if I were to put this in the place of the movie going type of experience where I would want something like this, and I can tell you, you know, it's right, this, this was released. Right when you'd want it to be released, the 14th of November, 2003. Mm -hmm. So around that time, I can tell you there's a lot going on just in your life with the holidays and festivities. And the studios put out these quasi-holiday movies Mm -hmm. that are really meant for you just to go to the theater, kind of check out and get get the feels. Get the feels. Yeah. (laughs) And get out. Are you there with your family? Then feel the good stuff. (laughs) Are you there alone? Then feel the sad stuff. Feel the sad stuff. stuff. Yeah, like feel what you need to feel right now. And that's fine. There is a place for that. Um, And I think that like if I had just seen this in the theater at the time, you know, I probably would have left getting exactly out of it what I needed to get out of it and been like, great. Because that's how I kind of feel about a movie that came out uh, maybe a few years after that, the holiday it had like Cameron Diaz and um, Jack Jude Black Law, and Jude Law and um, Kate, Winslet. Kate Winslet, and you know, again, that's it's. I like that movie, mm-hmm. and I, I like it because my memory of it is getting exactly what I wanted out of it: going to the theater with my wife, yeah, girlfriend at the time, and watching this romantic comedy that yeah. didn't have to think about too much. Maybe had a few problems, but who cared? I was just feeling yeah. great about it and leaving and being done with it, and that was it. You I know? can see watching this with a crowd being a completely different experience and a, a much better experience in general because then you're feeling like oh yeah that is funny or like yeah, yeah that is a sad scene or whatever that like just kind of feeling the stuff but watching it on my own with my notebook out yeah trying to dissect sort of what like, this is doing yeah this isn't and i don't think it's wrong for us to talk about those things well, this is something that I have found actually very helpful to me in movie watching. Uh, it's something that Phil Vickers said, who was on our Fast and the Furious episode. I, I don't know if we kept it in the episode. It might have gotten cut. But when he was talking about why he likes Fast and the Furious, it's very simple. He just said, sometimes you feel like Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. And that's so true. You know, mm-hmm. there are times where I just want some Taco Bell. What I think love actually is, is like... It's so saccharine. It's this is like the pixie stick of desserts. Like you know what I mean. Like sometimes you just want candy. You, just want sugar. you don't even you want, want like cake. You want just pure sugar. sugar. Yeah. And that's what this is because really, the sugar in a romantic comedy is the feelings you get. But you don't just grab a spoonful of sugar. And what this is to me is just spoonfuls of sugar because it's all every everything. This movie is just a collection of moments. Yeah. All of those collections of moments are what would be the the moment. In another mo- movie, right. romantic comedy. Yeah. So, yeah. hey, if you just want to down a pixie stick of romantic comedy, <laughs> yeah. then this is your movie. And yeah. I'm not going to, you know, that's fine. I might even, I yeah. might have even felt like that before, you know. Uh, you may feel like that sometime <laughs> like some, in the yeah. future. You, love actually might be what you're looking for. And it's, uh, but you're right. It's, you like, you like the reunion. Like, you like that culminating scene where the person finally tells the person they love them. Here it is six times. <laughs> in different scenarios. Yeah. <laughs> in different languages. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you want that scene of someone chasing someone in an airport. We're yep. going to give it to you Everybody, after. Yeah. You know, Everybody's, like, we're going to start with, yeah, uh, airport scenes. But there are just things about it that within that framework, I still have questions about. And that's mm-hmm. still kind of, in a sense, question it's, I don't know, like even saying this, it's responsibility, and it's like I think we need to go there. 
sure. I mean, I, I do. I, I there are some things that I there are some real problems I have with this movie when you just take a minute to think through a little right. bit more on some of these scenes. Right. And the movie doesn't really want you to. No. But if you do, if you decide to linger for a few minutes on some of these stories, um, they become a little troubling. Troubling. Okay, yeah. Well, okay, so there, there's partly that. Um, and maybe we, we would be thinking too much to, to think of some of that stuff. Uh, well, but, but yes and no. In some, maybe. In others, I think you kind of have to. So one thing that's not so, not so deep as that is, uh, but that makes me kind of question the movie's intent and maybe the movie's excusability to a degree is the type of movie this is trying to be. And I, I think if it weren't an R-rated, at least partly raunchy comedy, I wouldn't have as big a problem with this. <laughs> yeah. But the movie, like, it doesn't not want to be a raunchy comedy. There's graphic nudity. There's a, there's a whole storyline around a porno. By the way, this must be the best lit porno I was gonna ever say, filmed. Like, do pornos yeah. really go through? Do, do they do have doubles? Go through that much prep? I don't know. It it does seem like they 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 took. A, I've they seen took, Boogie Nights, and it didn't seem it like didn't they were spending like that, that. No, doing an entire scene with doubles before they right, shot it. Right. You know? Yeah, that seems like a uh, contrived big line item on the budget. Yeah, <laughs> and and contrived. So so there's that, and the only thing I can see that it was there for is the comedy of the simulated sex acts juxtaposed with normal conversation. Right. And the excuse to show some nudity. Well, to be charitable, what I kind of got out of what they were trying to do is show a situation where this is sort of the, this is the mm. sort of anti-love. Sure. This is the furthest away from love. Yeah. This is just sexual act yeah, yeah, with yeah. no connection. And that yeah. these, that these body doubles need to, they need to have that disconnect in order to stay professional. Yeah. But then it just shows that through mundane conversation, they actually get the connection that they're trying to yeah. stay away from. Yeah, I, I, I sure. think that's there. Sure. Um, but showing like the my bigger problem was it just felt really contrived. Like I was right, just like, yeah. I don't think this is how pornographic films work. And you're, <laughs> and I think I think you're right in yeah. that they really just wanted to be able to also show some nudity. Yeah. What makes it sad to me, and it's it's it maybe maybe it's not this way, but it seems like. The thought process there from like a studio situation is like, we need something to keep boyfriends entertained. When honestly, when I think about this movie, I forget that stuff's in it. Like I, I bet there have been so many people who have been like, no, Love Actually is really great. And they like showed it to their family. I'm like, oh, oh I totally God. forgot about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's true because, you know, I, again, I didn't remember barely anything about this movie and that's not what I did no. remember. So, so it, it like tries to be a raunchy comedy. It also tries to be a movie about grief with Liam Neeson and Emma Thompson's characters. And even in that, I, I have a hard time with it. Emma Thompson's scene at the end when she opens the CD yeah. and then goes into the bedroom, that really gets me every it time. It does. Like she's yeah. amazing in that scene. And mm -hmm. that, and Alan Rickman, and the fact that that relationship ends. With them still not okay, right? Is really effective. It's me. effective, but it's kind of what's out the of place point? Too. Right, right, and that's like the thing. in the movie. That's what's where the it point? starts to bug me. Yeah, is when it's in there just because. Well, if you if this will click with you, then here we'll put it in. Yeah, because if the thesis, and I will say the thesis of this movie is that love is all around you. Where is the love in Very that? Thompson, yeah. At first, when I, you know, when I almost think the movie it plays a little trick on you, where you're kind of wondering at first if Alan Rickman and his like secretary, if that's going to be the love story, right? Because you don't even know that he's married to Emma Thompson yet. Right. Is it going to be like a boss? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is she a secretary? I don't really know what her seems like it. Yeah, and really, she ends up just becoming a temptress, literally wearing a devil costume, <laughs> as my wife texted me <laughs> right. to a Christmas party. And then you find out that it's actually a story about this man who is, you know, at least contemplating probably does end up having an affair with this woman and cheating on his wife. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of leaves you with that. And the mm -hmm. wife finds out about it. She, she confronts him pretty quickly and she confronts him in a place that's inconvenient yeah. for both of them and everything. And to the movie's credit, it ends with them not okay mm -hmm. rather than him just being like, listen, I did something stupid. Tell me if you were in my position, what would you do? What position is that? Imagine 
your husband bought a gold necklace and come Christmas gave it to somebody else. Oh, God. Would you wait around to find Good out night. if it... No, 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 no. Happy Christmas. Would you wait around to find out if it's just a necklace or if it's sex and a necklace or if, worst of all, it's a necklace and love? Would you stay? Knowing life would always be a little bit worse. Or would you cut and run? God. I am so in the wrong. A classic fool. Yes, but you've also made a fool out of me. You've made the life I lead foolish too. Darling! So that's where I'm saying the movie is confusing to me yeah. because it does that in this very genuine sort of realistic way. And then there's other parts that are just like, well, that would never happen. <laughs> and it, I, I feel like it's a little too much for me to ignore that disparity. The lunacy of some of the storylines and the seriousness and the, the reality of other storylines. Mm-hmm. Maybe people who like Love Actually are like, oh, sh- shut up. Like, who cares? Like, it was like 15 seconds of the movie. Why do you even care? Just move on. <laughs> yeah. But if you're a movie that's going to lay out right at the beginning what your movie's about, look around you, there's love all around you. When something Put doesn't... Put it in text on the screen. <laughs> when something doesn't gel with that, yeah. and you're already not completely, like, enraptured by the movie, yeah. it kind of... St- it sticks in your craw. Like sure. you're kind of like, what's going on here? Yeah. I'm going back to the Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman story. Yeah. That's another example of one where I was like, you know, just pull that out. That's a good movie. Make yeah. a movie of that, you know, and then have that movie be about that type of love because mm-hmm. that is a real love that deserves to be explored. The kind of love that happens when it's tested, it's put through the ringer. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of movies that do a great job of exploring that already. Right. But you know, that's a that's a good cast. That's a good storyline. Just make a whole movie out of that because in this movie about love, it feels out of place. It right. feels almost too not, adult. Yeah. <laughs> it feels almost too mature, you know? It's not adding complexity to the movie's topic. It's just sort of undercutting it. I mean, and, and there's so many storylines in this movie. I know. I'm looking that, at my notes and I'm like, we haven't really even talked about Hugh Grant. We haven't talked about Laura Linney. We haven't talked about Andrew Lincoln and Kira Knightley. Well, and that's Shuatella the one. Giafor, who I totally forgot was in this movie. Well, yeah. And you feel bad for the dude. I, that storyline bugs the hell out of that's me. That's the worst one in, that is, in my... It's uh, the, uh, the worst one is the guy who goes to America. <laughs> this, Chris Marshall's character? Yeah. The guy who goes to Wisconsin. Yeah. And comes back with a girl with a southern accent and a cowboy hat. When you're from Britain, you just figure that's how Americans talk. He had Billy Bob Thornton was the president, you know. Without a southern accent. (laughs) Which is like, (laughs) what are you doing? (laughs) That's what he's good for. Yeah. He's really kind of wasted. Oh, my gosh. I know. Um, But anyways, going back to... So, what are you going to say? Well, I don't know. We we, we just named four storylines we couldn't <laughs> we haven't talked about but could. We were going to talk about Andrew Lincoln, Kira Knightley, and yeah, True Intelligence. That's Gia the Ford. one that I think needs to be talked about. W- what is romantic about that? I don't know. All right. So let's for our listeners because there are like nine different love stories here, yeah. and if you haven't seen Love Actually for a while, this is the story where Kira Knightley is being is marrying Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yeah. And uh, then you've got uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor's friend, played by Andrew Lincoln. His name's Mark. Plays a friend who basically, I don't know if he set up the wedding or what. He's videotaping it. He set up and hired and hid an a entire orchestra. With awesome gnarly guitar playing, which was funny. Lectern. This was like supposed to be a great gesture of friendship. Yeah. Turns out he's actually completely head over heels with Kira Knightley, even though... It's even said in there, he really hasn't talked to her that much. Because she's under the impression he doesn't like her because he's been so cold to her. None of that's depicted. That's all just talked about. Right. And so she goes to him because he's supposed to be finishing up the editing of their wedding video and says, listen, I want to be your friend. You're my husband's best friend. Why you got to be so mean to me pretty much? And And then it turns out he's in love with her. That's why he's been distant. It's a, what's he call it? It's a... Self-preservation, I think that's is what, what he says. calls it. So, he, But the, re- the way she finds out is she puts the video in, which he says he can't find, but she sees it right there on his TV, puts it in, and it's all video of her. Oh. Now, is it because he edited 
everything out or did he just make that bad of a video and was like, oh crap, what am I going to do now? I guess I'm going to pretend like I lost this video or... I guess that he spent all his time editing this video of only footage of her. Apparently, that was the only thing he spent his time on, so that when she kept asking for it, he kept saying it wasn't ready, and he didn't get around to making the whole wedding video, I guess. <laughs> and that was this another scene where the romantic music comes in. Uh-huh. And I'm like, while, this, while she's watching, this right? should have been like the turning point in a thriller. Stalker. Like, yes. I need to get out of here. But she's been, but then she's taken by it. And she, like, I guess realizes she loved him too or something. I, I guess. What is this love? Like, he doesn't really know her. No. She doesn't know him. She, she actually thinks he doesn't like her, which I guess that's a trope in romantic comedies. I understand that. But you are not given any sense of where this is coming from. It's just attraction and infatuation, which is a great starting point in a romantic comedy. In this movie, that's all you need. Apparently. Poor guy. Chiwetel. So, I know. And that's so what I felt there's the been, whole time. There's, there's no indication that Chiwetel Ejiofor is wrong for Kira no, Knightley. No. Or that there's anything wrong about him except he's a that good guy. he's black and she's white and Andrew Lincoln's white. And so maybe that's the shorthand that we're supposed to. Maybe. Also, by that. when the carolers come, he does tell them to bugger off. Bugger off. Right. But so not like, in like a really jerky no, way. More in like a, a real jerk. More like, like hey, I just we're watching f- a movie. Yeah. Why don't <laughs> yeah. you come up here? You're my new wife. So then, continue the creepiness. He tells her like, don't, don't, don't talk. Like, tell him carolers are here and at the door. Yeah. yeah. And Does a he's Bob got Dylan thing. he's got these signs. Yeah, that say like, I will love you until you're a corpse. Even when you're a corpse, <laughs> I will love you. So that's not creepy. I'll love your. I'll love your dead. Such an asshole thing to do. Yeah, it absolutely is. Who? who, What is anybody supposed to do with that information? Right. It's incredibly selfish on his part. It is. Um, It just disrupts things. Um, And he even then. And I think uh, I think Paul F. Tompkins tweeted about this because he was watching Love Actually a couple years ago and like live tweeting it. And when the, the he holds up the sign that says, "And at Christmas you tell the truth." Paul F. Tompkins was like, that is not a thing about Christmas. <laughs> like, that's not at all true that at Christmas you tell the truth. So anyway, he tells her he loves her, but that's it. He doesn't want anything. Right, of course. And that's how he's supposed to be the better man. The sweet, yeah. He's supposed to be the better man because he tells the truth, but doesn't want anything out of it. But what's she supposed to do about it? And what Not what she did. Right. That's, there's that. Which was run after him and kiss him. I don't know, man. That is some garbage, that that storyline. He's a shitty friend. Yep. She's, at that moment, kind of a shitty wife. Yeah. I mean, she does just kiss another man. Let's just put it out there. That's what she's doing. Who she's never really talked to. (laughs) Right. And the only person who comes out looking good to me is the one person you were supposed to think was kind of, uh, maybe not a good guy, to a teleview for. Right. That guy just got married yeah. Stayed faithful to his wife. As far as we know. By all, by all accounts, seemed like a good friend. Right. <laughs> like, like, was dude. completely appreciative of everything Andrew Lincoln did for him. Right. It's not like when the cre- when the band started playing, he was like, this is dumb. Yeah. Or like, He's like, yeah, yeah, that's great. I love Mark. Like, Mark's a great guy. And they really wanted you, I think, to, to buy this because they really spent a lot of time showing Mark's anger. Oh, man, when he zips that sweater up to the <laughs> neck. Whew. That but, guy is in pain. But you know what's funny to me is that why is it that they can be so mature about an Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman, and that's what I that's relationship. Where, that's where I I begin to fault the movie. Yeah, that's where I begin to say like, even as a romantic comedy, this movie is doing things yeah. that are difficult to overlook. Because it'd be one thing to say that they let that happen, and then you're actually as a viewer not supposed to really like Mark, right? But you're supposed to love Mark. Yeah, you're supposed to be totally on board with him. But the mature thing to do is to acknowledge that he's frustrated, and mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. You don't say shit. You, right. you keep it to yourself. Like you've like, shown us through Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman that you are okay with not resolving everything. Okay. We can move on now. I, I said my piece about that. I have problems a lot with that storyline, um, I think, obviously. Yeah. Um, Laura Linney's storyline. I, uh, yes. I really like Laura Linney. Of course. And there is something table-turningly refreshing about the fact that her love interest has no depth. <laughs> I just kept just, calling him Richard Gere lookalike. He's just attractive. I really did like that. We don't know anything about Carl except that he's attractive to Laura Linney. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. That is fine. 
and they do work together. So you imagine yeah. that there is some sort of proximity related yeah. attraction yeah. going on. Yeah. And you, you know, he's 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 a good looking dude. He's a Richard yeah. Gere looking dude. Yeah. And so you're kind of just along for when this relationship blossoms, I guess. Mm-hmm. But so the stuff with her brother. Yeah. I like this is another one that bothers me. Sorry about that. No, it's it's fine. It's my brother. He's he's not well. He calls a lot. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, it's it's not really fine. It is what it is and sort of there being no parents now and us being over here, it's it's my job to keep an eye on him. I mean, not my job. Obviously, I'm I'm glad to do it. That's okay. I mean, life is full of interruptions and complications. So. For one thing, if we're talking about, like, stuff that just logically doesn't make sense, that hospital has no idea how to treat her brother's condition if he apparently has access to a phone constantly. Also, we're supposed to believe that Laura Linney is, like, tied to her brother to the point where she can't have a life, but she can hold down a job. Is it just when she's know. off hours? Yeah. Like that's when the calling starts? Yeah, I don't know. But to me, the problem, the, you, you go on. I would, that, that I would say problem. like, I don't think about it, I guess. But yeah. no, you, you go ahead. Well, okay. So I'm going to actually bring in an article I read written by Christopher Orr for The Atlantic back in 2013 that was called uh, Love Actually is the Least Romantic Film of All Time, which if you're a Love Actually fan, don't read it. But The Atlantic had its own little dialogue going because Emma Green for The Atlantic wrote another article, which you can read, called I Will Not Be Ashamed of Loving Love Actually. And it's also very well written. That's where I was kind of like, I don't know how I feel about this movie anymore. Uh But I will quote Christopher when talking about this Laura Linney storyline because he pretty much has three problems with the movie. And the third one is really most expressed in that Mm -hmm. storyline. The third one being that any actual obstacle to romantic fulfillment, however surmountable, is not worth the effort it would require to overcome. I don't get why one night of failed sex is enough for supposedly this strong attraction to not only die, but not be worth continuing to try. Uh And again, it's Carl, so we don't get much of his character. But he seems like a decent guy. I think that like a conversation that says this is my situation. Yeah. Do you want to work with me on this or do you not? Yeah. No, no conversation is even worth having. I got to go, you know? Yeah. At least he could be honest and say, I don't really want this in my life right now. Right. Fine. But could we at least see that conversation? <laughs> like, yeah. could we see something that either showed the story was really about the relationship with her brother or showed that this was a love that, was too shallow to ever have any roots that could develop or that it's a story about a love that um, finds an obstacle right at the beginning and says, let's see if we can work through it. You get none of that. Yeah, It's just kind of a flat story. Or is it? Is it a story about her love with her brother? Laura Linney is supposed to be this strong, independent-ish woman, but in the end, her devotion to her brother doesn't seem strong, really. It seems like she's controlled by it Mm -hmm. to a degree you could read that as sacrificial yeah i guess so i think that in a different movie that could be made into a beautiful thing i mean look at another laura linney movie like you can count on me yeah um another thing that i had a question about because i because hugh grant pulls it off is the dancing scene oh i don't know and so i guess he pulls it off so so that's one of the that's probably one of those places that it would be extremely buddy duddy of me to be like no, I don't like when people dance in me. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mary, I've been thinking. Can we move the Japanese ambassador to four o'clock tomorrow? So just what I wrote about that, my question was, does the dancing scene work? <laughs> no, actually, my question was, can you have fun during scenes like Hugh Grant dancing? That was a specific question for you. And I think for that me, might be... Or for you. Oh, for viewers, I yeah. guess. If you can have fun during that scene, then Love Actually is the movie for you. But but I'm not going to fault you for that. But I also feel like people who have fun during that scene need to understand what pulls someone out of that scene too. Like, and give give me that too. <laughs> a little give and take here. But I was going to transition to talking about the Hugh Grant and uh, Martine McCutcheon um, Natalie storyline. Yeah, because that's a real up and down one for me. Yeah, um, I think some of the best humor 
comes in that uh, I think the 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 banter between Hugh Grant and Martine McCutcheon is is good. I uh, like their mm-hmm. dynamic, initial attraction, physically and personality wise. Yeah. But then there's also some of the real low points, which is when the president comes in. That's just like, what is happening here? There's like vaguely political drama <laughs> scene where like, well, we won't do that. Well, we won't not do it. I'm glad we see each other eye to eye. And then yeah. it's like, well, yeah, I don't think we do. And then he, and then well, the president's a dick. And then uh, uh, the, the prime minister stands up for the country. And our special relationship is still very special. And prime minister? I love that word, relationship. Covers all manner of sins, doesn't it? I fear that this has become a bad relationship. A relationship based on the president taking exactly what he wants and casually ignoring all those things that really matter to um, Britain. We may be a small country, but we're a great one too. A country of Shakespeare, Churchill, the Beatles, Sean Connery, Harry Potter. <laughs> David Beckham's right foot. What were the stakes? When did that happen? Right. Oh, because he was just mad that, that she... No, I know that. Yeah, and, yeah. And then there's that, which is why I, I, I have like a problem with that relationship, because he so quickly is like, oh, I guess she doesn't like me. And it's like... You just saw how the president acted right. everywhere. Yeah. You know her. Right. There's no reason well. to believe that wasn't some type of assault or face. manipulation right. going on. And then he he asks her to be redistributed. I guess only because of that. And what like what did he think? Like, oh, I guess she's dating the president now. The generous reading of that is well, we can't have people on this staff who are going to flirt with other leaders of the country. Maybe. That's a generous reading, but the one I think is more accurate is I can't handle having my heart broken. She's got to go. Right. And in what world is Martine McCutcheon chubby? I, yeah, that bu- bugged me too. And and not, uh, the movie wants you to think she's beautiful, but right. it also wants you to think she's kind of, you know, a little more on the heavy side. They keep talking about like her chunky thighs and like her family calls her plumpy. Yeah. And I'm like, what like she's not anywhere yeah, close no to being overweight or even like point of that is yeah i don't know the point and i also just don't think it's true like the, right i like don't it's is it just that like we're supposed to think hugh grant's a cool yeah. a great guy yeah. for like wow he likes her even though she's overweight i, I think that was almost part like, of it though it. there was these weird drops of fat humor but i feel like we said we weren't going to just dump on this movie the whole time. Right. We've, and we've, we've spent got, a lot of time doing that. that. Yeah. So, I, again, it's something that works for me. The footage of reunions at the airport. Yes. Very good. Really great way to open. Bookend, really. And close, right. Yeah. It's real footage. Like, yeah. it's actual people. There are, there's something about that that just viscerally is amazing and the and, nine and the 9-11 reference i thought was good because yep. of you know just putting yourself back in 2003 mm-hmm. it might have seemed a little out out of place now if you if someone threw it in a new movie now yeah yeah but that makes a lot of sense to me like yes. when you are facing your own death love is what you usually think about yeah and i think that's a beautiful sentiment it really. is i really is. do yeah i think the end works i mean god only knows that's actually a pretty appropriate tone for the end of the movie because it's a super romantic song if you focus on the, the chorus. Course, God only yeah. knows what I'd be without you. The first line of the song is, I may not always love you. That as a song might be what the movie is aspiring to be, which is tremendously endearing, tremendously yeah. catchy, tremendously uplifting. But also, if you examine it, is also getting at some of the, the darker parts of love, right. of, of being or, or human. at least the very complicated parts of love. Yeah. Um, and the different types of love as well. It's just not as deft as God only knows. So when it isn't, but it's aspiring to do that, those, those flaws, if you've seen the movie a bunch of times, or if you're watching it for this reason, those flaws really stand out. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you can't have God only knows in the background and in your happiest moments feel like, that chorus is speaking yeah. to that happy moment. Mm-hmm. That Love Actually is a movie that you can have on the background, you can have on and actively watch it, you can feel whatever you're feeling, and those feelings will be reflected. Mm-hmm. And that is why the movie exists, I think. It's not really there for us to dissect. We are here to dissect it. So 
That's what we're doing. We had some stuff there. Yeah. But I, there's no part of me that, that will badmouth this movie. There will, I almost guarantee, times where I'm in the, I would like to watch Love Actually. Okay, fair enough. I, I guess we might just have to disagree. I, I just don't think this is, this isn't a movie I like that much. I'll just put it that way. Okay. But, you know, because I was trying to figure out, like, this is our Christmas episode. Why is, does this even have to be a Christmas yeah. movie? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a problem I have with the movie, because all of a sudden, like a third through the movie, they're like, three weeks till Christmas. I'm like, well, what happens at Christmas? <laughs> But here's what I was thinking. You can kind of play along with me a little bit here. What I love to th- imagine with this movie, even though I don't care for it that much, Christmas can just, it can just be kind of a romantic time of year. And this movie is all about the big gesture, the yeah. broad gesture. Yeah, yeah. And people do keep saying, and it's Christmas, so yes. I need to tell you I love you, blah, blah, blah. And how, just how wonderful would it be if you just had a girl who you were real smitten with and you went to this movie with her? I think it would just feel like lightning watching mm, this movie. Sure. And I feel like after that, after watching this movie, this movie might just be the push you need to just say how you feel mm-hmm. to that girl that you really like, yeah. you know? And that's a beautiful thing. You know, yeah. I just kept putting myself in that place, like yeah. that place of someone who really needs this movie, who really like, this is the movie that's going to speak to them be in, in real life. Like, I mean, this movie is going to make a convincing case to you Go get some poster boards. Like, go get a marker. Like, <laughs> like just do it. Just if you've yeah. got feelings for someone, just yeah. go for it. You know, write it on a sign and, when you know their husband's in the <laughs> other room. Yeah. And I think I, you know, I just have to put myself back in that place of someone yeah. who is still kind of in the dating game. We know married life, okay? Right. It's got its own level of romance to mm-hmm. it that isn't necessarily portrayed all that well in this movie. So you got to get yourself really out of that. Place. You got to get yourself That's out of that true. headspace. That's true. And if I can get myself out of the married headspace and remember what it was like to be courting someone or to be like dating and mm-hmm. and really have strong feelings for someone, mm-hmm. this movie would feel so good yeah. to watch with that person. Yeah. Or you or, or it would be that special kind of awkward. You know, those are the that's that's the stuff of life right there. Yeah. You know, that's the good stuff. That's so. a good point. Yeah. So uh, you know So we've got a mutual yeah, understanding probably. Yeah. I think mutual understanding. At Christmas, you tell the truth. So we, we didn't want to sugarcoat that. That's right. Even though this is a movie of sugar. What's your rating looking like? Uh, I don't think I need to change it. In this case, a three is like a positive, like, yeah, it's a solid movie. And yeah. it's also a, yeah, that movie could could be better. Yeah. Or it's got some flaws. But um, we both definitely see its place. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm going to keep mine at a three. And for me, that three is, I'm very mixed on this movie. Um, I think that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Uh, but that I that at times I can feel less mixed about sure. it. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think I'm with you where if it's just on, I'm fine with that. I'll watch it for a few minutes. Then I'll go get some more eggnog for my fountain. <laughs> or at least get the pipe cleaner out and clear out the <laughs> yeah. inevitable clog. I'll just be in here cleaning my eggnog <laughs> fountain motor. What's going yeah. on now? <laughs> All right. Well, m- mutual understanding it is. Yeah. Uh, why don't we uh, talk about our next stuff? For the new so, year. Yeah, that's right. 2019. I mean, I assume things will be pretty much the same technology-wise. So we'll be back in the studio. Uh, we'll still be watching movies in some form. It's a big assumption. They might just be implanted into our brains by then. Who knows? However, we're watching movies in, in uh, 2019. Yeah. And watching is kind of a relative term. Experiencing, like, yeah. Feeling or just like... Smelling. Like, it's it's like smelling, smelling but oh. it's like... I, from what I understand, it could be... You know how, like, there's the taste of something and then there's like the... The, the nasal like aftertaste yeah. oh. like it's sort of like the food's not in your not mouth the aroma anymore. it's not the aroma it's like back um, there umami no well that's something too the umami of the i understand movie. that okay but it's it's not that it's like that but it's in the back of your mouth okay. kind of in your nose right that's and how that's i real... understand we're going to be experiencing movies yeah the, the more nasally flavor mm-hmm. of movies right but we will be doing that with the movie Step Brothers. Right, with uh, Will, Will Ferrell, Ferrell uh, John, John C. Riley. Exactly. One of the main reasons we're doing it is because there's a movie coming out December 28th called Holmes and Watson, starring Will Ferrell and John, John C. Riley as uh, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, respectively. A teaming that I always have a fun time watching. Yeah, they're, they're incredibly unique yeah. comedic performers. I also think that we kind of owe it to Will Ferrell because the only time on this podcast we've really talked about him otherwise was Elf. Yeah. 
and you might have gotten the, the impression that we're not Will Ferrell fans, right? But we're both quite, yeah, quite, quite Will Ferrell, yeah. But yeah. So that'll be in the new year. Nice light way to kick it off. I yeah, think. I think a good way to to recover from the holidays mm-hmm. and festivities. You know, Is that what festivities, you're getting? Festivities. The. Uh, the interweaving stories that we all have to oh, take part yeah. in around the Christmas mm-hmm. season. The confessions of our undying love right. that we all have to do. Everybody's going to be just... It's a little exhausting. Mm-hmm. All that love. Yeah, and all that and all that truth you tell. I mean, I figure the stories have got to be selling on a poster board at this <laughs> at this time of year. Oh, as a teacher, I, it's irresponsible to assign presentation because projects. Because you know so many people are confessing Kids can't find love. poster yeah. board anywhere too much truth and you know what they're doing it in a very wasteful manner you'd think you could at least get a few more sentences not sentences but at least some few more words on each poster board he wasn't standing that far away from no he could have gotten at least at least like six more words on that on each poster i honestly did he need any poster board couldn't he have written that on a piece of paper and just handed it yeah yeah well the problem now is that everyone thinks that's how it needs to be done yeah. And so we waste all this poster board yeah. every year this this comes around. But you got to think about it from the perspective of the poster board unions and oh. poster board manufacturers and they are job creators. Yes, and it is a powerful lobby too. If and you had a time where someone said, "Can't you just say this through like digitally?" Right. Like an e-poster board? Yeah. You would really see whole towns just decimated. And and also I like the feeling of a poster board mm-hmm. more than like holding up an your phone. e-poster board. Yeah, or, or emailing it, or like sharing a Google yeah. uh, slideshow. I like the smell of a poster and the marker. And the marker, it's not as truthful digitally. Uh, anyways, uh, <clears throat> so Step Brothers, it'll be a good way to unwind after all that we just talked about. <laughs> exactly, that's what we're saying. I hope you watch it with us. Yeah, if you lost your job at the at the, the poster board mill this is a good way it's to a good way to, to mind off it yeah. after i mean i don't want to get too far into it again but it's really also a way that big poster board takes advantage of its workers because they know come december like that's when they announce sort that's of like when the, the truth bad, happens everywhere well, the truth is happening there but they know budget cuts they, they announce them in december they announce they announce changes to insurance in december because they know you can't pick it. You can't oh, pick it in a December. No poster board. No poster board in December. So no one's striking. No well, one's they picketing. Do. They're just holding up posting. Or s- their smartphones. Right. And nobody believes it. It's not They're true. Like, That's not true. That's not true. Where's your poster? That's capitalism, though. So in which fairness to the movie, which we didn't address at the time, but we should have, we were trying to avoid being political. We don't like to be political. That storyline is so bad, it was written by big poster board mm. that's why it felt out of place it was product placement poster board placement like they need to advertise no it, they are an advert poster board <laughs> is an advertisement how would you even advertise a poster i'm a poster board buy me now i'm useless guess you can write on the other side but they got a point truth is just true on a poster, on a board. poster board it's just and it's that's true that's that's where they got you yep so, so let us know what you think of step brothers mm-hmm what you think of Love Actually? Yeah, Love Actually. would love to hear your thoughts. How was your uh, Christmas or your holiday? You can get at us by adding us wow. on Twitter. Nice. I'm going to name Twitter first this time. I don't usually do that. Yeah, Twitter usually takes a back seat. But Twitter. Talk to us on Twitter. CWSBF is our handle. You can add us at there. If you're more of a Facebook user, uh-huh. you can hit us We're up there. there too. Can We Still Be Friends podcast. Mm-hmm. If you hate social media with a passion... Um, we have a website if you're more traditional that way. Yeah. Can we still be friends.net is the website and you can comment on any of our episodes and see all of our past episodes. We've got a handful of other Christmas episodes uh, to check out. I would personally recommend our Muppet Christmas Carol episode. Yeah. That's a good one. I almost, I was like, we should just do that one again. <laughs> we have more to say. <laughs> yeah. That's all on our website. As I was saying, you can also um, send us an email. Feedback at canwestillbefriends.net is where you can send those messages. Don't forget, you can also always call and leave us a voicemail message. All you got to do is call 847-306-9532. And also, I haven't, we haven't mentioned this in a while, but if you enjoy this podcast, and if you've made it That's this far, yeah. you're either fast asleep mm-hmm. or you kind of enjoy this podcast. Right. 
what's something that you could do to show us uh, you know, a, a nice gift for the holidays, gift for the holidays uh, sign of generosity. I guess consider this the closest thing we have to a pledge drive. Right. Just leave a rating mm-hmm. on, on Apple Podcasts or yeah. iTunes or whatever you Apple call it. Podcasts. You're right. It's not iTunes. It's, it's still iTunes. You still got to launch the iTunes application on your computer to get to it. You still got to like... You know uh, what was that thing we were talking about? The flavor and right. the, the nasal flavor. You yeah. still gotta like gotta cluck your that. tongue yeah. up by your nose to gotta launch that, Apple like, Podcasts. <laughs> yes, that. Like where you, Did you just launch throat. it there. Yeah. Ah, oh, shoot. Yeah. Just picked up. I'm okay. listening. All right. Oh, well, like I'm experiencing. Hang on. All right. Nope. Oh, I just switched episodes. It's still in beta. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta cluck twice. I'm just gonna. All right, I just, I just cleared. I just, okay, I just shut down the application. You right. almost <laughs> shut down our podcast. Yeah. In any case, however you need to do it, leave us a nice rating. That would go a long way. I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try. You're gonna try. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think so I will. Far, we're off to so a good far, start. Good. December first when we're recording. Right. This. Right. Eggnog fountain. So uh, yeah, we. I, I will do my best to have a good holiday season. And I, I will too. I I will, too. Yeah. And uh, we will see you next year. Uh-huh. I love doing that. Yeah, you do. I love doing that. Such an elementary school kid. <laughs> oh, boy. We'll see you yeah, next year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Take care. Hey, Nate, Ryan. It's Andrew. I am mid-podcast on social network, but I have a bone to pick, and I, I know you guys talked long and hard about the closing with Rashida Jones and how her final line really makes it makes you have sympathy for Eisenberg. I absolutely disagree. I think that her line shows exactly what Fincher was trying to show, that Eisenberg, Zuckerberg, wasn't really a relatable or a, a sympathetic character. I know he has some zinger lines and against the Winklevi, you know, he's kind of clever, but I really think it shows that he kind of twists everybody around him to his will and he makes himself slightly sympathetic, but in a sinister way. And so Rashida Jones saying what she says at the end, all it does is shows that he has convinced her, he has hoodwinked her into his way of thinking. So I don't find him sympathetic at all. I actually find him, again, more sinister, more offensive. And, yeah, again, it's a little hard reading from 2018 to 2010 when I saw it, but I don't know. I don't walk away feeling any sympathy for him. I actually feel like he has convinced somebody else to like him or feel sorry for him. That's it, to take pity on him. And that's how he does his stuff. Anyway, uh, love the show. Keep on keeping on. Thanks, guys.